Welcome to this episode of the Getting to Grips MMA and BJJ podcast, where we have just watched UFC Fight Night 158, Cowboy versus Gaethje, and we break down the fights immediately after we've seen them, talk about the results, what might be next for the guys involved in the fights, and any of the interesting things that happened over the course of the event. So, enjoy. All right, UFC Fight Night 158, Cowboy versus Gaethje. That was pretty Done. fun. Great night of fights. I thought it really lived up to expectations. Me too. Across the board, in fact. A um, little bit of controversy. Yeah. Um, Some cool finishes, though. Yeah. As well. Todd Duffy tried to show us his penis. Man, I just, like, I think you thought I was being a little bit unfair when I said that Todd Duffy was a bit of a dick yesterday or the day before, <laughs> but I think he kind of... He showed us what he was made of tonight, you know? He's just a weird fucking dude. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you want to start there or not, but I can go on. We will. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's start with the main event, okay. I think. Yeah, actually, yeah. First of all, we, we should preface this by saying, as with most of our uh, after-the-bell kind of immediate post-fight podcasts, we will be... Uh, Lubricated. Yeah, in, ingesting some libations. Today yeah. is brought to you by Zabrovka Vodka and Tonic. Cheers. Polish, Polish vodka. Cheers. Um, Delish. So this if we this go, is my favorite. Oh yeah? Yeah, this is my favorite vodka. I like this one a lot. Not the one with the grass in it. That one tastes kind of weird. Not a fan of the bison grass? I used to be, but I've kind of gone off it now. I just like the plain one. Just plain with some, with some tonic and a nice squeeze of lemon and a high glass. It's delicious. Mm. A high glass with an extra measure. Because, you know, why be stingy? <laughs> I, I may have put two extra measures in these. Yeah, I mean, it tastes like it's fucking awesome. The funny thing for me is where in the UK, like Zabrovka... And the bison grass yeah. vodka. It's kind of a novelty and it's yeah. like a higher end vodka. Yeah, it's really expensive. And when I told Anton, our Ukrainian friend who trained with us at Pura Vida, um, he was like, oh yeah, Zabrovka. We used to drink that like in parking lots outside high school. Yeah, I believe it. I'm sure they topped up their cars with it when they ran out of gas and stuff. I mean, it, it actually is quite delicious, but I think it's pretty cheap, especially here. Those little, we're buying like smaller bottles, I don't know, under some ridiculous pretense that we're not going to finish it in a day, which we are, but... It, it, um, it only costs us like maybe three pounds or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is funny though, like the difference in, in the drugs. Um, we we used to kind of not drinking that much mm-hmm. and smoking a fair amount of weed. Yeah. And I was just mentioning you today how I've noticed how I'm, so much more aggro and less chilled out. <laughs> Yeah, I since, think, since we've gotten to to Georgia, yeah, and both, I haven't been smoking. We both are. We both could use a. We both could use a little a little toke, but um, that'll come when it's when it's ready. I think. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, fights. Gaethje. Gaethje cowboy. cowboy. I mean, man, didn't last long. No, but it, it was good while it lasted. I kind of thought that it would last longer, but it did go the way that we we expected. I think. Yeah, I mean, Cowboy, as as much as he's working on it and and he looked like he did start quicker against Ike Quinter, we we talked about this in the preview show yesterday. I mean, he starts slow. He starts at a sparring pace and he picks up confidence and, and builds up his volume as the fight goes on. And if you can go after him quickly, you can finish him quickly. Um, and that's exactly what Justin Gaethje did. He nailed him with those leg kicks over and over and yeah, over again. Yeah, right away he was on that um, leg. Cowboy's leg was hurting from the get-go. And uh, he, he stalked him down and he looked for those big shots. Um, he hit him with, uh, was it left hook, right hook? Um, dropped him. Cowboy's complaining about the stoppage. But, I mean, you dropped your knees like that twice. 
Um, he didn't know what was going on, no. and I think when he watches that back, he's going to realize that, that there was no choice but and to uh, to stop that fight. Gaethje appealed to the ref too because in the back it sounds like the ref said like if either one of you drops your knees, then I'm calling the fight off. And Gaethje had to say, "Are you going to call this fight off?" Because he dropped him twice, and uh, you know, Cowboy just the consummate sort of you know like just loves to get into to burn barns as it were, he, uh, he didn't want that fight to be over and thought that he still had a little left in the tank, but I think once he watches it back, he'll appreciate that, um, that he was finished. Yeah, I think, if anything, that was a late stoppage. Yeah, definitely. I think so, too. I think it was late. Like, that's what Gaethje was saying. He's like, I don't want to keep hitting him, and it's, it's so difficult because they're mates. I didn't realize they were, they were such good friends, but it actually seemed to be pretty, pretty tight, and that must have been horrible. But imagine what Gaethje could have done to him if he didn't like him. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he finished him so quickly, which was probably, you know, merciful. Um, but man, he's got power. What I love that guy, man. I love watching him. I'm a Gaethje fan. I think he's fantastic mm-hmm. and so professional, you know, by just saying to the ref, like, I don't want to keep hitting this dude because he knows how powerful he is, too. He could do a lot of damage. Yeah. And, you know, Cowboy's been he's been fighting for a long time now. So who knows what state his brain's in at this point? Yeah, and Gaethje really does carry dynamite in those hands for a 155-pounder. And the the fact that his chin is so durable really allows him to get in into those close-quarter situations and throw those hooks. And, and we did say yesterday, you know, Cowboy does get himself into trouble when he allows people to get too close and engages in those firefights at close range. Cowboy's at his best when he's able to keep you on the end of his punches and, yeah. and throw those kicks. Yeah. And it's just so difficult to get Gaethje to take a backward step. And I kind of hypothesized that Cowboy might have some success if he timed some good, powerful knees down the middle as Gaethje was coming forward. We didn't see any of those. Mm. Um, He did use the front kick a bit, but just not as effectively as he could have done. Because of that, Gaethje was able to get in close. uh, And when the fight was at that range, there's only going to be one winner. Gaethje clocks him with two big right hooks drops him onto his knees, lands a couple of extra shots that, in my opinion, were unnecessary yeah, until the referee cuts. steps in. Yeah. Um, so uh, before we talk about what might be next for, for Gaethje, I mean, Cowboy, he's now on a two-fight slide, and, and it's a two-fight slide to Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. You know, there's no shame in that. Definitely not. Um, but he has taken a lot of damage, a lot of damage, over the last couple of fights. You know, he, he took a lot of shots to the head against... Um, Ferguson not only did he take kind of concussive shots to the head against Ferguson but he got cut up yeah. in that fight also and, and I did think like his his face did look There's, a little different me too uh, this fight for the first Bro- time broken nose and yeah, yeah just you know just a little more scar tissue around the That's eyes right. you know the nose sitting at a slightly different yeah, angle yeah a little bit more in the end yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he, it's start, his face is starting to change due to that damage uh, and then obviously today you know Absolutely, that there's going to be some cerebral trauma from from those massive right hands from Justin Gage. Yeah, for sure, because he was not walking on his own out of that octagon either. Like he was really no. leaning on his coaches. He was still stumbling as he was protesting. For sure, that stoppage. I don't think he was entirely conscious as he was protesting. They had no. a little cuddle, you know, like just to to talk about how much they loved each other. But I mean, I don't think he was all there. Yeah, I think no, no matter what happens, um, Cowboy needs to take some time off now. Um, he's, I, I hope, you know, he's got plenty of money. We know he spends money like water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's difficult. You know, he's not somebody you want to see retire and then end up in trouble. But uh, he's going to need to take some time off. He's not somebody who's ever going to quit the game 
you know, and until he's forced to quit. Yeah. And that, that can end up being an issue for him. But having said that, you know, it is, like we said, Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje, there's no shame in losing to those two guys. And he's still cowboy, you know, he can still come back from this. So Yeah, and I just, the fans love him. I yeah, mean, he's, he's just... He's always going to be a moneymaker and absolutely. a big fan favorite. It doesn't even matter if he's losing. Yeah. So let's look just quickly at the uh, 155-pound rankings. And let's talk about what might be next for Cowboy then after he takes a bit of a rest and returns. I, I think, you know, that, that top five now, which is the Ferguson, Poirier, McGregor, Cerrone, Gaethje kind of group, he's, he's out of that. Um, Ally Quinta's number six, and he soundly beat Ally Quinta in, in that last fight. Yeah. Um, I, I think a Paul Felder fight makes sense. <gasps> Ooh, you know? that's awesome. It, Have it, they fought before? Mm, I, I don't believe so. Okay. No, it, it would be difficult to argue Paul Felder into that fight in terms of the fact that Cowboy's on a two-fight slide and, and Paul Felder's kind of on the upswing. Mm. But fighting Cowboy brings you notoriety and it brings you money. Sure does. You know, it's the, it's the kind of fight that you can always put on the main event of a fight night. And being on the main event of a fight night now is almost more beneficial than being on the main event of a pay-per-view because you get to uh, you get more eyeballs on you on ESPN. People don't have to go and buy the pay-per-view and go through this whole complicated system. Yep. You get to be on cable um, with a lot of people watching you. So it brings a lot to your, I hate to say, to your brand. It sounds, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so douchey. But, but it, is, it is a good fight in terms of your profile. So, um, you know, that, that could be a good fight. Um, again, other fun fights for him in that division. Anthony Pettis, fun fight. Charles Oliveira, fun fight. Um, Dan Hooker, depending on what happens with That'd him and Ali Quinta, is, is also a fun fight. So, you know, Cowboy will be back for sure. He, he's not going anywhere, like I said, until he's forced out of that cage. Hopefully he takes some time off, spends some time with his, uh, his son, Danger. Yeah. And, he's, uh, uh, he's someone who's swapped weight classes a couple times. What Do you think that he's... He could go back up to 170. Yeah. You know, he, he's, a, he's a big guy for the 155-pound division. Mm-hmm. And he did have success when he was up at 170 yeah. and, and had some fun fights. So, yeah, for sure, he could go back up to 170 and, and, and see what's up there. It's good, I, good for his brain. He'd be yeah. able to eat more fat. He, he's in the era of, you know, he's in the twilight of his career for sure. He wants super fights. He wants money. Yeah. He yeah. wants exciting fights. Yeah. He's definitely not going to be in that title picture anymore after taking these couple of losses because he's lost to two guys who, who are now well ahead of him. Um, in terms of chasing that belt, uh, but let, let's see what's next. Go, uh, go, spend some time on your ranch. You know, try not to crash any more four wheelers. Yeah, fuck. Dive out of some airplanes, have some fun, and, yeah. and regroup and, and see what's next. But you know, I, I think an Anthony Pettis fight would be great. Me too. Love Anthony Pettis as well. And yeah. and Justin Gaethje, you know, his his Man, stock has never dude. been higher. No. He he came into the UFC, he had that spectacular fight with Michael Johnson, he took a couple of, of hard losses to two of the best in the division in, in Poirier and Eddie Alvarez at the time. Fucking amazing fights. Um and now he's reeled off three first round knockouts in a row against three serious opponents in Edson Barboza, James Vick, and now Cowboy. Yeah, crazy. Um and he's now put himself right in contention for that belt and we saw DC ask him when the fight was done you know who's next the uh, the Irishman or the Russian meaning McGregor or Khabib um, and Gaethje was quick to dismiss a, a McGregor fight yeah. saying he's retired yeah. uh, which I, I respect I love, him for what integrity know, yeah. I love him we, we know his, his thoughts about Conor McGregor he's been very vocal uh, on social media about, about how he doesn't like him and, and the reasons why um, and I also like that he was quick to say, I want the winner of Ferguson and Khabib. Yeah. He didn't say, I want Khabib. 
there's a lot of respect in the fact that he acknowledged that Ferguson deserves that shot first. That's and, and a good call. I really, really like that. Absolutely. So knowing that, you know, DC, after the broadcast, when he was talking to Brendan Fitzgerald, made a lot of sense in saying that the McGregor fight, if they can make it, does make sense yeah. because they have to make the Khabib Ferguson fight. Hopefully they will. Yeah. Uh, and rather than have everybody waiting around, yeah. why don't we have Gaethje and McGregor and have the winner of that face the winner of Khabib and Ferguson? Yeah, because history has dictated that getting Khabib and Ferguson together has been nigh on impossible <laughs> yeah. so far. Like Gaethje could be waiting fucking years to get you know to get the result of of that fight. So. It's good to keep him active, keep him relevant, and he's another fan favorite. People want to see him fight. So, yeah, it'd be fun to see him fight, to see him fight mm-hmm. Connor. But he, he reckons McGregor's retired, which I like that he said that too, because that's just a little bit of needling, you know? Yeah. A little, just a little needle. So, <laughs> yeah, it could, you know, it could get under McGregor's skin and yeah. it could bring him out. You I know, it, so. it's notoriously difficult to get McGregor to fight. At, at, yeah, very nice. <laughs> at the best of times, you yeah. know, he's, he's such a star. Um, and, getting him in the cage is not as simple as getting a contract signed. You know, he's going to want to co-promote. He's going to want to promote his whiskey. There, yeah. There's so many, you know, I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed to get yeah. him in the cage in the first place that it's not easy. But I do think that fight makes sense. And not only that, I, I just think it's a, it's a really fun fight. Um, you know, McGregor, for, for all of his antics, is still one of the best in that division. That left hand is deadly. Mm. He's a sniper with it. He's a very well-rounded fighter. But Justin Gaethje, you know, he, he's as durable as they come. Yeah, and His conditioning is excellent, which is something that McGregor has suffered with. We saw that in the Diaz fights. It's good wrestling. Um, and, you know, Gaethje also carries something that Diaz doesn't have, which is, like you said, that wrestling yeah. and also serious, serious power in his hands. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I was also impressed with Gaethje because he stuck to his game plan. You know, he said he wanted to throw fewer shots and make them more accurate. He was a lot more patient than we've seen him in the past, too. And it definitely paid dividends in this fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just uh, just great. And and if, if Gaethje were to get a win over McGregor, I mean, we think his stock is high now. He, he would be an absolute superstar yep. if he managed to do that. And then I, I would favor him in that fight. Yep. And assuming that Khabib beat Ferguson, which is no, um, no guarantee, you know, if, if they managed to make that fight after Gaethje beat McGregor, that would just be a huge, huge fight. Even if, you know, Ferguson beats Khabib and then it ends up being Ferguson Gaethje, that's also a huge fight. Two incredibly durable Fuck guys. Yeah, that would be awesome. So the, the way, you know, this is the best division in the UFC by far. You know, it, it has been on and off for the last few years. And the way things are shaping up is, is tremendously exciting. So, yeah, what a... What a great main event. Um, Lots of potential. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like Cowboy. I like both these guys. I, I wasn't actively rooting for anybody. I just wanted to see a good fight. But I if, if I'm honest, I'm really happy that Gaethje won because yeah. I think it's better for the, the future of the division and yeah. it sets up the, the most exciting scenarios. Yeah, I always think like whenever we're watching fights, then you are cheering for the future of the division ahead of most people. <laughs> like you, you have some people who you cheer for, but typically you just like to see the, the division evolve in the best possible way. That's who you cheer for. Yeah, I just want to see the best guys fight the best guys. Yeah. That, that's yeah. what's important. Keep the sport authentic, yeah. right? Not about like big money fights. That's another reason I like Gaethje too because, you know, some people when they have a big win like that, they're like, where's my 50 Gs, you know, for the fight bonus <laughs> or they're like, oh, I want big money fight. Where's, Shum- where's Connor, you know? And uh, he never did that. He's like, no, I just want to fight the best and hat tip. Yeah, man. I like that. Two, two great guys. Hopefully they go out and... Uh, 
sink some delicious beverages and smoke some delicious BC buds. Yeah, he uh, made a comment, today. didn't he, yeah. about how much the <laughs> Rogers Arena smelled like weed. He's like, man, that smells good. Stepping out of the octagon, oh, I miss BC bud. Makes me jealous. Me too. Um, so yeah, m- moving on. Um, let's go to the uh, co-main event with uh, Glover Teixeira and Nikita Krylov. Great fight. Yeah, I was I was impressed by this. Yeah, there's, it had a bit of everything. It has some entertaining grappling. Uh, Glover Teixeira in that first round. Look for that takedown early. These dudes are durable, man. And uh, was really able to to put it on Krilov as far as the grappling was concerned. Mounted yeah. him. Uh, was able to take his back. Yeah. Um, this was the first time Krilov had ever seen the back of three rounds. Yeah. He'd never gone the distance before. I think he'd fin- like the furthest he'd ever gone was round two. And this went all three rounds and was left a decision, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, something, something it, new. It, it was back and forth. Yeah, I think that uh, Glover Teixeira was really able to pull out that first round, mostly thanks to the grappling and the yeah. ground and pound. Uh, my my endless frustration with people falling off <laughs> guys' backs as they, as they tripod up, That's you know, right. came to pass again. But because of that, it ended up being quite an entertaining kind of back and forth grappling exchange. Uh, and then the, the second round, Krilov was able to be effective, but he was on his bike a lot, backpedaling, which doesn't look great to the judges. Um, and as far as the striking is concerned, although Krilov was able to be somewhat effective, Glover Teixeira really got the best of it in terms of damage. Mm-hmm. He, he wobbled uh, Krilov a couple of times, um, and in the end, he's able to pull out the, uh, the split decision, yeah. which, which is great for him. You know, He's 39 years old, very close to 40. He's on a three-fight win streak now. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that even he thinks he's, he's going to get close to that title again. I mean, just a, a rematch with him and John Jones is a non-starter as far as I'm concerned. But he said he would like to fight in Brazil. There are still good fights for him in that division. He, he's entertaining. People love him. He's a hell of a nice guy. Um, and yeah, just just really happy for him to, to put three together on a trot. Yeah, me too. It was awesome. Yeah, good, good fight. Um, next up. Todd Duffy and Jeff Hughes. Fucking hell, where do you start with this one? <laughs> My God, this was a car crash. This fucking guy. To, to me, I mean, Todd Duffy essentially took four years off. What a dumb. I mean, I, I shouldn't say took four years off because he did have some injuries too, but it, but a lot of that time was due to like contract, contract disputes yeah. with the UFC when mm-hmm. he could have been in that fighting. Um, four years off and then comes back. In, in my opinion, and I don't like saying this because it's so easy to shit on guys when they're in there doing an incredibly difficult thing but he he quit yeah he quit for sure like he that eye poke uh, against the fence was nothing i mean i wasn't there and it wasn't like hughes's thumb in my eye so i can't say for sure but when you're looking at it like you know these guys they take so much damage they take so much damage and they carry on and they carry on and they carry on but we talked about it a little bit where we thought that he wasn't able to put Hughes away with his hands in the way that I think he thought he should have been able to. Yep. And then when there was an opportunity to like feign an injury, then he was like, yeah, okay. Because he, he had a cut over his eye, but he wasn't blinking it out. It wasn't swollen shut. You know, he said he was seeing double. And then he went to say, oh, no, I'm okay. And then he's like, I'm seeing double. Do yeah. I need to get the doctor in? Yes. You know, are you okay? No. So, like, I don't know. And then, the, oh, God. So, so the fight started off yeah. in, in really entertaining fashion. So I, I will say 
it, it wasn't technical, it wasn't pretty, it was very entertaining. It was two big heavyweights going in there and swinging leather. Um, I, I have to say, like, since Todd Duffy got knocked out by Frank Mir way back in 2015, I see absolutely no progression or improvement in his game. He leaves openings the size of the Grand Canyon. And Hughes made it tell. He hit Todd Duffy and hurt him in those big exchanges yeah. with Duffy just wading forward, leaving his face and his chin up. Yeah, um, and he thought that he might get those openings too, yeah. Hughes. Like he said, he's like, I can see. And, and he did. You yeah. know, Todd Duffy ending up with a huge mouse and a cut under his right eye. He was wobbled. Mm-hmm. He wobbled Hughes too. He dropped him. Hughes was able to get back up. Both guys clearly exhausted. Um, Todd Duffy was grabbing the cage a lot to prevent the takedown from Hughes when Hughes had those double underhooks. And the referee was warning him over and over again. He, he told him that if it happened again, he was going to take a point. Not just grabbing the cage. like He was like holding on to the cage and like basically holding Hughes to the cage with his hands. Yeah, linking referee, his hands together. The referee finally... He didn't link his hands together. Well, he basically was like... He had his fingers in the fence, though. Both hands in the fence. And uh, yeah, the, the ref did notice it and said like after... Because the eye injury happened right after that. And so the ref took the opportunity at the pause, like while he was, you know, uh, complaining about this, this eye poke, to say, if you put your fingers in the fence again, I'm going to call it. I think he was just exhausted. Yeah, Todd, uh, clearly, clearly exhausted. Yeah. Clearly not happy with what was going on. Like you said, I think he thought he was going to be able to put Hughes away with some of the shots that he hit him with. Yep. And when he didn't, his gas tank really started to go um, and and it showed. And as far as the eye poke was concerned, we watched the Bellator main event recently where Czech Congo claimed to get poked in the eye. Um, A lot of people think that Czech Congo faked that because he wanted out of that fight against Beda. I I personally didn't think Czech Congo faked it, but but there was controversy. Mm. I feel like this, you know, in quotes, in quotation marks, eye poke here was a lot more controversial than the one from Czech Congo. I, I saw maybe the thumb flicked the eye. Yeah, maybe there was barely. a little bit of contact, but barely. Yeah. And uh, like you said, when the referee was asking him, he kept alternating. He kept saying, I'm okay, I just need time. And then he was saying he's seeing double. Uh, he really wasn't acting as if he wanted to get back into that fight. No. And And you just, I mean, the UFC brass hate this kind of shit. And when they've already had such issues with him over the past four years, he comes back back in after four years, shows absolutely no evolution no in heart. his game whatsoever, yeah. and then basically quits. Bails, yeah. And not, not only does he quit, while he's in the middle of quitting, he's basically pulling his fucking shorts down. I mean, it was so weird. <laughs> he, he, he did everything but get his cock out in the middle he of the octagon. He just has insult to injury, this dude. <laughs> like, he had his thumbs hooked into the front of his shorts, and you could all but see his pubes. Like, it was... Well, I was going to say that. I don't think there were any pubes. I think I know a mm. lot more about Todd Duffy's right. male grooming regimen than Fair I need to <laughs> right now. Because he had those things yeah. low down. I and I saw no evidence it of pubic hair. It was so distracting. Whatsoever. It was so distracting. It was bizarre. And it's pretty typical. Like, if you don't watch... Um, if you don't watch fighting very often, then you you might not know. But it's pretty typical for people, like the fighters and stuff, to put their hands in people's faces to disrupt their breathing. It's entirely legal. Like, it's not a problem. There is a, an issue with eye pokes because of the way the gloves fit. They kind of make your fingers stick out a little bit. And so the refs are 
pretty on the ball when it comes to making sure that people have their fists closed and stuff like that. And they're pretty ready to, to penalize eye pokes and give them, the fighters, you know, a full five minutes if they need that recovery time. And he could have taken that five minutes and then got back in. You know, the ref was quite happy to give him, give him time. But then he started complaining that he was seeing double. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think not it, a fan. It was not pretty, pretty clear he wanted out of yeah, that Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me. And it, that won't go over very well in Vancouver, which is a hockey town. They won't like that yeah. shit. You know, like they like their they like uh, they like people to show a bit of heart for sure. Yeah, so I mean, that, there's not much more to say about that fight. A bit of a kind of ignominious ending to something that that started off as as an exciting, if not particularly, you know, technical or pretty fight. Um, just, just a real shame. We you got know? to know Todd Duffy. Yeah, on we. Level, I, I had sure. high hopes for Todd Duffy coming back, and you know, we, we always want new, exciting people in, in the heavyweight division. And I, I think he just he uh, he left that cage in, in a really kind of unimpressive fashion. Yeah, I think tonight. he embarrassed himself. He, he definitely didn't win any fans. Um, no. And yeah, it's just just a bit of a shame, and and it's also it's a shame for uh, for Hughes as well because you know he he got in there. Uh, he he had a chance to go up against somebody who, even though he's been out of the game for a while, has a decent name in Todd Duffy. Mm-hmm. And I think he had a chance to win that fight. I, I think with how tired Todd Duffy was, he may have gone on to win that fight. And Todd Duffy really took that opportunity away from him. Um, and I I think that's a shame. Yeah, it is. So no contest on that fight. Yeah. Damp squib. So, moving on. Moving on. Moving on again. So uh, we've got... Well, I've lost my. What was the, the next fight after that? Well, well, I think it's oh, uh, Hall. And... Um, so yeah, it was Michael Pajeda oh. and Tristan Connolly. Oh my, my god! My, my favorite fight of the night. Fuck, that was just crazy. I mean, you don't see antics like this very often from from fighters. Typically, well, do you want to explain what happened? Yeah. So. Um, Michael Pajeda came in with a lot of fanfare. Michelle. Uh, Michelle Pajeda, <laughs> fucking whatever. Wow. Michael, Michael came in with a lot of fanfare and a, a, a lot of kind of hype behind him. Uh, he yeah, a massive well known in Brazil. He was the biggest favorite on the card. Yeah. he comes over to Vancouver, misses weight by a pound. Um, not only does he miss weight by a pound, but then he does a backflip off the fucking scale, um, which penis. which is ridiculous to me. Um, idiot. You know he. He comes in, misses weight, takes six minutes to walk out to the cage, whilst poor old Tristan Connolly is standing there, cooling down in the cage. Yeah. Um, and it's one thing that you know, it's it's just kind of a pet peeve of mine when fighters take a long time to walk out to the cage, especially if they're the second person out while their opponent is there. They've they've gone through all their warm up in the back. They're ready to fight. And then you milk your walkout, and it kind of lets them cool down. It's yeah, just—it's a, a little bit. They're allowed to do it, but it's a bit of gamesmanship that I just think is poor form. Well, um, I don't know what this was about, but he did a fucking dance routine with his coaches. Two of his coaches—they had a choreographed fucking dance routine walking out of the changing rooms to the octagon. What in the actual fuck is that about? I mean, it just seems. If you haven't guessed yet, Shan really doesn't like this. It guy. just seems super unprofessional, incredibly disrespectful to someone who's taken a fight on five fucking days' notice. But let's give props to Tristan because what a dude yeah. that guy is. Vancouver, like hometown, um, hometown fighter, took that took that fight on super short short notice. He's got his own gym. Yeah, so Tr- he's uh, Tristan Connolly. He's got checkmate Vancouver. Um, he he's a jiu-jitsu guy, you know, good black belt. 
I was really impressed with his grappling in this fight. Um, Michelle Pejea came in, and, and nothing looks quite as ridiculous to me as you missing weight, then all of these antics on the way into the cage. He spent the majority of the first round just fucking around, doing backflips, you know, just yeah. re- really not taking Tristan Connolly seriously at all in the way that he deserved to be taken. Very disrespectful. And he gassed himself out. Yep. He missed weight. He came in his favorite with all this hype behind him. He went in on a fight against a guy who only had five days notice to fight him. He fucked around in the first round and he gassed out against a guy in Tristan Connolly who, though much smaller and though underprepared for the fight, came to fight. Yeah. He came to knock he his block off. Seriously. And he fought well. He weathered the initial storm and he used what to me is a superior grappling game and a superior conditioning game in order to beat a guy that was the heaviest favorite on the card and good for Tristan Connell. Incredible. I got a unanimous decision mm. convincingly. That last round, he was I mean, he was awesome. But hey, it just had nothing left in that last no, round. Absolutely nackered, nothing nackered. left. And and to be a guy he who spent came his whole in, training camp doing fucking bicep curls, <laughs> yeah. the cunt and uh, yeah, deserved to get his deserved that ground and pound every second of it. It's it's pretty shameful to me to to have a full training camp and then come in and get somebody who's coming in on five days notice. And be the person who is just dead on their feet in the last round. You know, you could see that Tristan Connolly was tired, but he just wanted that fight more. Yeah. And he's got good enough grappling to where he was able to go in and implement some solid fundamental jujitsu on a much bigger, much stronger guy and control him for pretty much the entirety of that last round. And not just control him, but consistently land shots. Yeah. Um, he used that top half guard position to just absolutely dominate Pajeda. Pajeda, you know, was able to reguard a couple of times but and that, Tristan immediately repassed, got back to that half face. guard, got the cross face yeah. in, controlled the head and just landed shots, peppering him over and over and over again. Yeah. And by the end of 15 minutes, there was absolutely no doubt who won that fight. Yeah. And I, I'm really happy that Tristan Connolly came in uh, as such a huge underdog on huge such short notice difference. and uh, and managed to pull that out in front of his hometown crowd. Good, good for him, and I look forward to seeing him on a on a full camp next time. Great for his gym too. I hope that uh, he gets lots of new clients as a result of that. Just yeah, hopefully, check Matt Vancouver gets gets filled up with uh, with new people on the mats because he deserves it. Absolutely. He, he really deserves it. And also, you know, the UFC. When you do them a favor like that mm, and you come in and, and you really show up, then generally they're going to take care of you in your next fight. And uh, I'm excited to see him at 155 pounds too because it's, it's pretty clear to me, despite how well he did, he's, he's undersized for, for 170. Yeah. So I want to see what he can do with a full camp uh, against somebody in, in his same weight class. Yeah, he would have been on a Tim Hortons diet, I think, in the week uh, leading up, five days leading up to that fight just to, to put a bit of size on. But it was awesome. Well done. What well, would be great because... Uh, uh, DC w- was speculating because Bahada was not eligible for a post-fight bonus because he missed weight. That's right. Um, but that, to me, was fight of the night. Yeah. And, you know, Tristan Definitely g- surprising gave performance life. of the night. Yeah. So, you know, give him the whole hundred grand. I agree. I like he, that. He damn well deserves it. Mm-hmm. He absolutely does. No, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So that, that was definitely my favorite point of the night follow sure. him on Instagram, on Instagram. Yeah, it's, it's really great to see style went out over substance like that and that was absolutely an example no substance went over style oh the substance went out over style rather and that was absolutely an example of that cheers and yeah a little bit too much Zabrovka but yeah Michel Bahia really needs to take a long hard look at himself because that was just preposterous I mean th- those antics and then to come out and have that happen and miss weight you know be, yeah. be, a, be a professional I know, it wasn't this a is the UFC now at, at this point Pathetic. it's uh, 
Not not cool. Really embarrassing. Um, Uriah Hall and Shoeface. Yeah. Good fight. Great fight. Um, in fact, I I believe you know the decision was right. Um, Uriah Hall looked fantastic on the feet. His his jab is oh, one of the best weapons in, in that division. I think he he's shown over his last couple of fights that he's just an absolute sniper. Yeah, with he it. found a home for that every single time he threw it. It was highly effective, and he broke uh, Carlos Jr.'s nose with it. I mean, in, in the first 20 seconds yeah, of the fight, I think so. he, he broke that nose. There's an awesome um, replay after the fight where they show Carlos Jr. eating another jab, or maybe it was a hook, actually, and blood just fucking flying out of his nose. It was poetic and amazing. Go watch it. <laughs> Love shit like that. Um, so, yeah, in, in the first round, uh, Uriah Hall able to make that jab tell really, really early, breaking Shoeface's nose yeah. as Shoeface is driving him back into the cage. Um, Shoeface doing a really good job. I, I find it difficult calling him Shoeface. <laughs> it's it's the simplest do. thing to say, but yeah. I feel like a fucking idiot yeah, every time I say it. it's a stupid nickname in English, isn't it? It probably sounds cool <laughs> if you're Portuguese. I'm going to switch to Carlos Jr. Yeah. So Carlos Jr. just you know doing a good job of putting Uriah Hall up against the cage and having a lot of success with that body lock takedown. In, in that first round, he did manage to get Uriah Hall's back, but uh, Uriah Hall able to stand up. Yeah, and it, super it, it is patient. difficult when you you have a guy's back and they're, they're able to get to their feet. Um, in, in my opinion, it's not the best thing. I think if that happens, you're, you're better off doing a Khabib and kind of holding on to that body lock instead and, and looking for further takedowns rather than trying to hang on and look for the choke on the feet. But, but I also think that Carlos Jr., you know, he, he had his nose broken so early on in the fight he was just kind of desperate for a finish yeah. at, at that point. And he did manage to recover. But the, the story of the fight was really what Uriah Hall was able to do on the feet here. Because even though Shoeface <laughs> was able to, to get takedowns, he was nowhere near as effective with his grappling as Uriah Hall was able to be with his striking. Yeah. And it didn't really matter that he controlled basically the whole of the third round on Uriah Hall's back. Uriah Hall came close to finishing the fight in the second round. He did a lot of damage on the feet and, and ultimately did enough to pull out that, that split decision. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just want to ask you about that. Like, do you think that Carlos Jr. was looking for the finish? Because to me, it looked, and we've talked about this a lot, like using that body lock for... The body triangle? Body triangle for like a good portion of the fight. It didn't really look like he was, I mean, maybe looking for the finish from a, a, a position where he wasn't going to to be, you know, to be jabbed, I guess, like, wasn't going to take mm -hmm. shots in the face. But I wasn't sure if he was, like, hunting for the finish. It kind of seemed like he was just biding his time. Uh, maybe that's unfair. Well, there's a few factors that go into it. It, it kind of depends on how he was looking at it. First of all, he took a lot of damage, especially in that second round. I think he came very close to being finished when Uriah Hall dropped him with that one-two. He landed a lot of ground a pound. Um, and the the second thing is that that first round was relatively close. Even though I personally okay. scored it for Uriah Hall, I, I think the you know he did enough on the feet in order to win that round. I, I suppose you could argue in, in some ways that Carlos Jr. did take that first round through the control and the grappling. He was mm -hmm. able to take him down at the end of the round two and control him. Um, so that there may have been something in his head that said, mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, I probably edged out that first round. Okay. If I can just sit here and control in the third, then I might be able to pull out the judge's decision in this fight. Yeah. Um, in terms of whether he was trying to finish or not, uh, yes and no. Um, when you lock up that body triangle, 
even though it is a good controlling position, you you do limit the amount of tacks that you have from the back. Mm-hmm. If if you're able to keep your hooks tight but mobile, mm-hmm. you, you don't just have chokes, you're able to switch to arm bars, you're able to switch to twisters, you're able to um, change your position into a mount and start striking and looking for submissions from there, or maybe spin into a head and arm choke from that position, which is something that I really like to do. Uh, but when you lock up that body triangle, as long as that body triangle is in place, it might be uncomfortable for your opponent, it might be good control, but your opponent knows that really the only weapon that you have from that position is a rear naked choke. Mm. So if uh, your opponent who's in that position is able to keep a good two-on-one and defend that choke well, which is exactly what your Rahul was doing, it's very difficult to finish somebody, especially when you're wearing MMA gloves, which do change the game. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, I just, I think that Carlos Jr. found himself in a dominant position for one of the few times in that fight. Uh, Uriah Hall is a tricky customer. He does have good grappling, even if it's not on the level of Carlos Jr.'s, and Carlos Jr. just really did not want to lose that position. Uh, and being positionally dominant at that point was more important to him uh, than, than looking for a finish with a varied attack. Because um, in the third round, then, he was, like, Carlos Jr. was on, on his back for, for a lot of the round. And the Vancouver fans fans were getting a little uh, little impatient. They were chanting yeah. to stand them up. Yeah, they? not not happy with that. Yeah, um, DC had a lot to say about yeah. that too because I mean DC's a wrestler and he's like, if the ref stands him up here, stands them up, like there's going to be hell to pay because he was in, they you know Carlos Jr. was in a very dominant position and he worked for that yeah. takedown. It's not like he fell into yeah. it by accident, and uh, and he was inactive from that position. So. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about about this sort of the mentality of of standing fighters up when they're when they're um, when yeah, they're wrestling? Yeah, I, I can't. I I can't remember who the referee was. We're actually the the fight's on silently in the background right Jamal now. Or, I can't remember um, his name, but but I, I think he did a good job there of not kowtowing to to the pressure of the crowd, um, who was chanting ridiculously, "Stand them up." Um, and and letting the fight play out on the floor like that because that that is an incredibly dominant position. Yeah. You know you can't take that away from somebody who's worked hard to earn that position. Um, yeah. And, and this and it's is not a mixed martial arts. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know the, these guys who who don't want to see stuff on the floor. What what are you there for? You know th- there is kickboxing. Go watch kickboxing. If, if all you want to see is a striking battle, glory is really entertaining. You can watch three three-minute rounds of guys wailing on each other on the feet with absolutely no grappling. If you bought a ticket to an MMA event and you don't want to watch grappling, that's uh, you know that that's not the UFC's problem. That's not the fighters' problem. Uh, so kudos to the ref for not standing them up there because I think uh, there are a lot of referees who do feel the pressure of the crowd, but. Carlos Jr. was in a dominant position there. He earned it, yeah, and earned, it, yeah. it was up to Uriah Hall to get out of that position if he wanted to, to get out of it, and he couldn't. No. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I've got to say about that. But yeah. as, as far as the fight goes, I, I think the result was right. I, th- I think we saw some good decisions tonight. Yeah, me I thought too. The, the split decision for Glover Teixeira was a good indication of what yeah. happened in that fight, and I thought the split decision for Uriah Hall was a really good indication of, of what happened in this fight. Bro. Um, and I'm actually, you know, I'm quite excited to to see Uriah Hall going forward. He he's not my favorite guy, but I I think that when he makes good decisions and he puts stuff together, um, he he's a hell of a fighter, man. I mean, his his boxing has improved so much. He has devastating attacks with his legs when he gets loose mm. in that cage. He showed uh, good composure, very and much so tonight too. He called that Israel Adesanya, and I, I think he's a, he, he's <laughs> he's a little bit off for that fight. Definitely jumping the gun. But having said that, that that is a just from 
you know, looking at it from purely a one fight point of view, that that is an entertaining matchup. Okay. Uh, I would like to see how that plays out on the feet. Cool. Uh, next up, we've got the first fight on the main card, which is Misha Serkinov and, and Jimmy Crute. Really, yeah, another Canadian. <laughs> really entertaining round of fighting. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was that was a great sort of grappling match too. That was a lot of back and forth. A lot of, you know, uh, sort of one person had top control, then the other, and then the other, then the other, and they threw lots of heavy strikes from from those positions. It was fun, fun to yeah. watch. M- Misha Serkinov kind of, uh, e- even though he's an older fighter. Yeah, I mentioned to you at the beginning when Man. they were standing there. He he is one of the most terrifying looking human beings yeah. on, on the roster. I speculated that he looks like he could drive railway ties with his bare hands. Like <laughs> yeah. he is just made out of. I mean, yeah. Just he he doesn't. You. His muscularity. He doesn't look like a normal human. No. You know, he he looks like on Instagram when you see those pictures of shaved chimps on the na- <laughs> Nature's Metal page. Yeah, that's what he looks like. It's insane, <laughs> insane. Like yeah. his his. His muscle is just denser than an average human's. And he, he looked for the takedown early, which he got. Um, he was able to control Jimmy Crute from the top in, in a really impressive manner. You know, he's, he's just got very, very good old school top pressure grappling. Um, he managed to find that crucifix a couple of times. Credit to Jimmy Crute, actually, for, for being able to, to get out. Um, and there was some back and forth grappling action. Mm. Um, but in the end, uh, you know, Serkinov able to, to get it done. He, he went for that Peruvian necktie and uh, eventually ended up with the sweep and finished it with the mounted guillotine. Um, just a, a really, really nice transition. If, if you look at the way his hands were connected, um, it, it was still in that kind of necktie position, but because he had that, that leg over the shoulder, um, he managed to finish the choke um, against Jimmy Crute, who, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see Misha Serkinov win this fight. Um, he's an older guy. He's a nice dude. He's been around for a long time. He's had a bad year. Yeah, he's had, he's had a bad year. You know, his wife's had breast cancer. He's been through a lot. And I, I think he really needed this win. Um, and nobody really expected, including me, expected him to win this fight. I, I think the UFC made this fight with Jimmy Crute in order to promote Crute. You know, okay. which is is fair enough. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Crute is young and hungry and up and coming and a very, very talented guy. And I mentioned on the last show how um, I think the UFC are going to be trying to push a lot of like Australian and New Zealand fighters yeah. because they want to start having more fight cards over there. Now that we have top guys, especially in that middleweight division, Adesanya, like Israel Adesanya Whitaker. and Robert Whittaker, yeah. Yeah, they're going to want to push a lot more and fights Volkanov over there. Is, uh, yeah, Alexander Volkanovsky yeah. for oh, sure. Volkanovsky, sorry. Um, so, you know, it's it's time to start pushing those guys so yeah. that the UFC can expand their global brand and that's what Jimmy Crew was in there for. A lot of people, including myself, expected Crew to win this by KO or TKO in the first or second round. But, you know, Misha Serkinov showing why he's an incredibly dangerous, incredibly strong grappler and putting Jimmy Crew away. Yeah, that was super fun to watch. That was a great way to start that card off, I thought. Fun, yeah, really good. And I, I think that, you know, Jimmy Crew will be back. He's super young. I think he's only 23. He's just got his black belt. He's, he's really talented. He's got power. He's well-rounded. And I think he's going to be uh, a definite threat in that division moving forward. He's and he's going to learn a lot of lessons from this fight. Mm-hmm. This is no, uh, this is no stall in his career. No, you know, he, he's not. going to be fine going forward. And in the meantime, a really nice, you know, consummate professional in Misha Serkinov get gets a great win and, and manages to keep his his career relevant. That fight's a good example of um, like fun fights that stay on the ground because that fight mostly happened from like a grappling grappling ground ground and pound standpoint. And it, you know, contrast that with that the Uriah Hall shoe face fight where there was a lot of body locks, 
you know, a lot of kind of hand fighting from the back and stuff, then it's, that's, a, that's a good example of mm -hmm. how dynamic and fun jiu-jitsu and MMA, when they're mixed together, can, can be. And yeah. uh, good, for, good for like new fans to go and watch stuff like that to appreciate yeah, it's uh, good to have entertaining grappling. grappling. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because you don't get you don't see it that that often. Like sometimes the fights go to the ground when the fighters are exhausted, and so there's sort of uh, more controlling positions, yeah. and you know they're trying to catch their breath, and that has merit too, obviously, because you can. I mean, speaking from experience, you're not really catching your breath when you're <laughs> trying to either defend. Uh, from bottom position or trying to stay on top from top position, it's fucking exhausting. But you know, you're at least you're not taking shots to the face for the most part. Whereas that was super dynamic. They were all over each other and they changed positions a lot and really used the octagon. It wasn't lots of work up against the fence and stuff like that. So it's kind of a fun a fun one to watch, I think, if if you're if you're new to, to MMA. Grappling is like anything else too. It's just like striking. You know, when when you watch two guys going at it and, and it's mostly a striking battle you can have a Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje fight where it's just mad, all that action, you know, in incredibly skillful back and forth fight. Yeah. Um, or you can have a Wonderboy Thompson, Tyron Woodley fight where it all plays out on the feet and it's oh, boring as shit yeah. and nothing happens. Yeah. You know, and, and the same thing can happen in, in grappling matches. It just depends on the style of the people fighting and, mm -hmm. and it's all about styles. Yeah. You know, and that's why the UFC matchmakers are there. They're there to not only make the relevant fights for the division, but make the fights that they think are going to be entertaining for the fans. Yeah. Um, which is why, you know, I have no idea why they made a, a Tyron Woodley Wonderboy rematch. You know, they, they don't always get it right. Snooze fest. But as, as far as tonight's fights went, I thought it was a really, really good fight night. And a uh, good one for the Vancouver fans. And uh, we, we got to see Justin Gaethje kind of work his way further forward in, in the most difficult and, and talent stacked division in the UFC and, and put himself in contention for, you know, if not a, a title shot straight away, at least, you know, a massive money fight with Conor McGregor, which if he wins, he should get the uh, the winner of a fight that, you know, we all want to see in Tony Ferguson and Khabib. So yeah. let's, let's see what happens going forward. Let's see. Do you have uh, anything else to add on that? No, I don't think so. No? We're going to watch the prelims now, right? We are going to watch the prelims, yeah. We haven't watched the prelims yet. I just wanted to uh, get this after the bell show done, uh, sink a couple of uh, beverages and, and talk about the fights. Yeah, it was awesome. Didn't yeah. disappoint, that's for sure. And fun to see it in Vancouver. Yeah. And now we have a ridiculous UFC schedule. I think they said we got a fight card every weekend for the next 12 weeks. Oh my God, that's mental. And you're going to California on Thursday. Yes, to see so my sister. We're going to have to uh, organize some kind of uh, across the pond. Yeah, we'll sort it out. I'll be, I'll be drinking vodka at 8 in the morning. <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll sort something out. And uh, I'll be waking up early to walk the dog anyway. Excellent. And we'll go from there. So Excellent. we will be back probably on Tuesday with just a kind of shooting the shit. State of the Union type podcast <laughs> and uh, we'll just have some current events and, and see what's up uh, and yeah we'll uh, we'll see you then shout out to our three do you know three whole people listen to our last podcast I mean that's amazing three people Adam, and only one of those was me Jeff and Charles oh and one of you what was yeah. you okay, so, <laughs> so we've so lost a two people <laughs> Pretty soon the sponsors are going to be rolling in. <laughs> I'm sure of it. We're going to be making fucking bank. Yeah. <laughs>
don't do it for the money. We do it for the love. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go to Desktop Dojo if you have a fight-related gym and you need a website built because Adam is sitting at his keyboard ready and waiting. He needs money because he's currently living in a bed set in Glasgow. That's right. Uh, with a bunch of smackheads. Yeah. So give him some business and uh, he'll build you an amazing website. Maybe Tristan Connolly is in the market for a new website. <laughs> Maybe. With all his successes. Maybe. Anyway, lots of love, guys. All right. We'll speak to you soon. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for listening. That was our breakdown of, uh, or recap rather, of UFC Fight Night 158, Cowboy Gaethje. Good night of fights. Um, and what, what the fuck am I, what am I talking about? I never get these outros on the first go. Um, do you want to follow the podcast on Instagram? I don't know why you would, but if you do, you can follow us uh, at the GCG podcast. You can follow me at Harder to Kill BJJ. You can follow Shan at Foxface underscore world. And until then, go check out desktopdojo.com. And uh, I'd like to thank all three of our listeners. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Bye. <laughs>